Well, listen, today is the day that we set aside for mothers. Uh, That's not to disparage those who are not yet mothers or who are not mothers. It's just that today is the day that we celebrate Mother's Day. And my question is, how are moms doing? How are you doing, mom? Good, yeah, I heard that browsing. Wonderful! Well, from what I've heard, moms I know... And from what I've been reading, many moms with children really struggle. Can you believe that? Mothers struggling. Some struggle with expectations that they place on themselves. I'd say ladies have a propensity to place expectation on themselves, as some men do, but not as much. Others struggle with expectations from the outside coming at them. With feminism came an almost insatiable push for women to become superhuman. I don't know if you knew that about feminism. But if you look at it, the woman has now got to be superhuman in order to meet those criteria of being a woman according to feminism. Challenging women to put their education and skills to work where they can shine, be appreciated, and recognized. But another source of pressure comes from the back-to-the-home movement. It's also referred to as the opt-out movement of educated women that had careers that decided they're going to go back home. So you got this play off of both of these things. And I realize that I'm only addressing a narrow demographic today of women. I'm talking to married women, it's true. Married women with children, that's true. And then married women with children who either stay at home or work outside the home as though, <laughs> as though those that stay at home don't work, right? Well, I'd like to read just a little quote to you about those who stay at home. They really do work. According to 2019 data from salary.com, okay, if you are a stay-at-home mom, and were paid for your services, you would be looking at a median annual salary of $178,201. I mean, I'm not making this stuff up. This is what they calculate, because you are a mom 24 hours a day, right? And your work doesn't end just because the kids go to bed. That's usually when you start washing and trying to clean up the mess. So... That's what they say. But I I want you to understand that I'm not leaving out uh, grandmas. I'm not leaving out women that are married without children. Mary and I were without kids for for 10 years at the beginning of our marriage. But I, I do want to talk and address this whole issue between working moms and moms who work at home. Because I think it's something that moms need to have addressed, okay? A recent survey discovered 90% of working moms carry a huge amount of guilt. Chasing the balance of working a job that they want and being the mom that they desire to be. And I know right now that some mothers are cringing thinking that I'm going to say, you should just quit your job, that whole balancing act, opt out, go home. But I'm not going to say that because those two words really got a friend of mine in trouble couple years ago. I'm not going to say that. 
Other women may be hoping that I'll finally vindicate their decision to put aside their careers and the education that landed them their jobs and their salaries and return to domesticity as though they're mutually exclusive. Now, I've read some women who made that choice several years into the homemaking thing, began to question their decision because they missed what the jobs outside the house provided for them. These women listed things that they missed, like independence, stimulating conversation. It's really hard to have stimulating conversation with a toddler. (laughs) The opportunity to display their unique giftedness in the fields that they prepared for by their studies. And the recognition that they're good at what they do. I mean, seriously, how many times do you come home and go, Hon, you're so good at what you do. If she's a stay-at-home mom. And these women that opted out, went back home, left their careers for domesticity in their mind, what that was, remembered how good it felt to be working outside the home. So you got this, you got this clash. And so the pressure mounts and the stress that they report that I read about is almost more than anyone could bear. Working moms feel guilty for working, and some at-home moms are stressed that they are missing out on what they once had in their jobs. And in the end, whatever the case would be, working or being a homemaker, Jill has become a very dull girl. She's lost her joy. 90% of working moms suffer from severe guilt and report burnout, according to carrymedia.com. It's a, a recent website that encourages and helps to uh, encourage mothers that work outside the home. 90% of working moms suffer from severe guilt and report burnout. So the question has been framed to work or not to work, but I believe that that's the wrong question to ask. It's the wrong question to ask. Things go deeper than location or vocation, and, and it's my desire today, by the grace of God, to challenge all the preloaded assumptions and see if we cannot come by the Holy Spirit's enabling power to rekindle the joy of your salvation, moms, whoever you be and wherever you be. Now, here's three things to consider, and they're in your outline in the bulletin. Modern pressure on motherhood and domesticity. Identity rather than location, we'll look at that. And then the joy of being created in the image of God. If you can, please turn to Titus chapter 2. And I want you to look at verse... Just a second, I'm in Timothy. How'd that happen? Titus 2, and I want you to look at, um, let's start at verse 3, because it's talking, this is instruction by the Apostle Paul to another man, what he's to teach women in the church. Verse 3 says, and older women, Titus, I want you to Teach them to be reverent in their behavior and not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, 
so that they may encourage the young women. So he, he moves from the older women, what their responsibilities are, and then he says, so that they can teach younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home. Er, Stop right there. Workers at home. Workers at home. That is a really loaded statement. Paul advised Titus to put things in order in the churches in the Isle of Crete. And he admonished Titus to speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Sound doctrine means a life that is in sync with God's will. That's sound doctrine, sound teaching. And one area identified was the role of older women and prescribed that their role was to work with the younger women and to teach what is good. And one of those things that they're to teach what is good is that they're to be workers at home. First, we need to ask exactly what is home? What is home in this text? And then, how is it applicable today? Does it mean absolutely must not work outside the home? Well, this goes directly to the issue of domesticity. The phrase in Titus is okorus, and it's made up from oikos, which means, according to a Greek lexicon, which is a Greek dictionary, it refers to family, including an extended family. This is what home is. It refers to family, including extended family, uncles, aunts, nieces, whoever, grandmas, grandpas. The family property and the house, the physical house. That's what that word oikos means. And then it's joined with another word because it's not just oikos, it's oikoros. And oros on the end means to guard or be aware of. So the base meaning then is to watch over or take, uh, uh, take care of or guard to ensure all is well in the home. Now, you have some who have translated that little phrase very narrowly saying it means stay at home. That is not what it says. And if you look at the meanings of the words, that's not what it means. If we take the lexicon's definition to watch over, care for, and ensure the home or family, property, and house is well, then we need to consider that it can be done even though a woman is not at home all day, every day. It can be done. I'm not promoting that that's what needs to be done. I'm just saying it is possible. And the scripture doesn't say the woman has to stay home every day, all day long, in order to be a Titus II woman. Could she have tasks and employment that takes her outside of the home? Now, I know it's possible because I know women who are doing it presently. With homes and family that are intact and their husbands are happy. They work outside the home, and the husband is in agreement. They talk that over. They agreed to do that, and she's working outside the home, and he's working outside the home. And you know what? The children are beautiful children. 
They're sociable. You can talk with them and engage with them. And yet when adults are talking in their room, they're very quiet because mom and dad told them the adults are going to talk. Now we're just be quiet now for a little bit, like for four hours maybe. I'm not kidding you. And they played quietly with themselves and they were just fine. And so you're going, this is messing with my mind. This is messing with my interpretation of Scripture. This should not be possible. Now, I know other women that don't work outside the home. (laughs) But they don't work inside the home either. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? Their home's chaotic. Husband's not happy. Kids are crazy, out of control. So, what's the problem here? Where are we going with this? Well, we're confronted with what the home is and what domesticity is, according to the Bible. Is it only a physical location or is it something broader? So, in order to help us understand the flow of history and how families have operated in and outside of the home, I want to do a 10,000-foot overview of the home from the past and how it has changed, especially with the Industrial Revolution and consumerism, because it really has changed. And I'm aware that this is a, a very broad overview. I don't have time to go into all the depth of these things, so please don't yell at me for being simplistic or something. I know there's much more to each of these segments of history, and obviously uh, we could go into those things, but we'd be here until next week. The home and the family and the idea of domestic. Let, let's pray. I just want God to open up our hearts so that we can just look at what, what is out there, what we're experiencing, and what God's word says. Okay? Let's pray. Father God, we do ask you to just join us today. We've been singing praises to your name. We've been worshiping you. We've been praying. And now, Lord, we're coming to your word, we're coming to um, dear, dear, dear ones in our midst Mothers, Father, and we just want your spirit to have full reign in our service this morning. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So when you come to the Bible and home and the family, for most of human history, the home was the original small business unit. It really was. It was a building block of a community's economic vitality, the home. It was only after the upheaval of the Industrial Revolution that the home moved from being a place of productivity to a place of consumption. And I'll be explaining this more as we go along. In the time of the New Testament, most jobs were based in or near the home. And so this was up until the Industrial Revolution, actually. And therefore, the way of watching and caring for and guarding the home, which I believe is the real understanding of domesticity, was accomplished through engagement in the home industry of maintaining a household. Let's look at what that meant in more recent history and how the Industrial Revolution changed much about the family and the home. Let's look at, say, circa 1500s, Reformation women 
Martin Luther's nun turned wife, you realize that Martin Luther's wife was a nun, right? And that she became his wife based on his preaching about marriage. And they became husband and wife. And she was known as Katie von Bora, the morning star of Wittenberg. Why? Well, she was up daily at 4 a.m. And she often worked until 9 in the evening. And the Luthers were given the black cloister, which was a former monastery, as a wedding present. And Katie took the job of transforming the dilapidated place into a self-sustaining home. And that she did. The place became known as Luther House. And Curtis and I toured it in 2017 while attending a massive European Bible training center conference celebrating the 500th year anniversary of the Reformation in Wittenberg. We went into the place, walked through it. Katie became a gardener, a fisher, a brewer, fruit grower, cattle and horse breeder, cook, beekeeper, provisioner, nurse, and vintner. She kept on hand ample supply of the vegetables and flowers that Luther loved. Trout, perch, and pike were gracing their table, and brews appeared for her thirsty husband. Don't want to tell you what those were. Wasn't ginger ale. And of course, for their guests. Pears, apples, peaches, grapes, and nuts were cultivated and carefully tended chickens, geese, pigs, cows, and work and riding horses. She took care of all this, not by herself. Eventually, the Luther residence actually became like a hotel, housing guests from all over the world that wanted to talk with Martin. And displaced scholars, students, refugees, escaped nuns, and several members of Luther's family all made their way to Luther House. She discharged her domestic duties in her way and as her way to glorify God. What she did was glorifying to God. Well, let's move forward in history a couple hundred years, Great Awakening, 1720-ish and further. And we find Sarah Edwards, the wife of Jonathan Edwards, the premier theologian, American theologian. She is a woman who excelled in her responsibilities in the home to the degree that Jonathan was able to devote his time to writing and teaching, which he did. And his works are still read today. A simple and famous anecdote from Edwards' life will say it all. Quote, One day, Jonathan looked up from his study in their home and inquired of Sarah. Notice he was studying at home. (laughs) He was basically home. And he says to Sarah, quote, isn't it about time the hay was cut? To which Sarah replied, it's been in the barn for two weeks. That says so much, right? Number one, he's dependent upon her to get the hay cut. And it just dawned on him as he was sitting there studying, hey, hon, isn't it time to get that hay cut? Well, he's oblivious, right? Because it's already been cut and it's stored in a barn for two weeks already. She was on top of the task. Now, it's obvious that she didn't cut the hay herself because she was looking after their 11 children. 
But she was managing the home and property of Jonathan. But don't think that Jonathan was an absentee father because husband and wife were never far from each other in those days in the home. Both were in the home, typically. And as historical records of colonial literature show us, most of the titles about child-rearing were addressed to husbands and not mothers as they typically are today. What happened? They both shared in rearing of their 11 children. Sarah's adept handling of the home and affairs of the home enabled her husband to sometimes spend up to 13 hours a day in his study. Hallelujah, heaven. And she did all of it as her way to glorify God. They say for women like Katie and and Sarah that the work of the husband was the work of the whole family unit. And the family all worked together to make their home a place of refuge, hospitality, and productivity. But when the Industrial Revolution came about, with all of its factories and increased work, the family unit began moving in many different directions. Let's look at the Industrial Revolution a little bit, 1760 up through 1840-ish. Beginning around 1790 in the U.S., because it hit Britain as well. For the first time, work moved out of the home to factories and offices. And to compensate for their men working outside the home, women intensified their efforts to make the home a haven for the family and husband. Now, these were separate domains. The home and the workplace. And the woman focused on the home, but the domain of the men was out in the public sphere, separate from the family. So there was work life, and there was family life. And due to the intense focus of the home on the home at that time by women, because they, they really focused on that, it's known as the golden age of domesticity. Now, I'm certain that many solid Christian women discharged their domestic duties with a motive to glorify God, but the focus was beginning to shift. It wasn't a family affair anymore. It became a home affair, home-centric, if you will. The spheres of function became divided, and a man focused on outside the home, someplace other than the family dwelling. Now, World War II and beyond bring another element to this whole story. This war saw an incredible exodus of women from the home to the workplace. The Industrial Revolution was already established, but now men were going off to war, leaving women to fill factories for the war effort. During World War II, the defense industry expanded and American men mobilized for the service. They went overseas to serve. And many women found themselves in jobs that were previously unavailable to them, like in aircraft plants and shipyards and manufacturing companies and chemical and rubber and metal factories producing war materials. These jobs paid higher salaries than those traditionally categorized for women, which fell into the area of teaching, domestic service, clerical work, nursing, etc., 
Previously, married women were actually discouraged, like during uh, the Depression. They were discouraged from taking jobs outside the home during the Depression because it lowered the competition for men. If there were women out there, they were taking jobs that men could be working at. After the U.S. entered the war, though, the federal government encouraged housewives to join the workforce as a patriotic duty. The number of employed women grew from 14 million in 1940 to 19 million in 1945, rising from 26 to 36 percent of the workforce. In 2021, 81% of employed mothers are with children ages 6 to 17, and they're working full-time compared with 77.2% of mothers with children under the age of 6. It's a lot of working moms. The influx of women into the workforce during World War II was the beginning of a dual-income family unit. Presently, dual-income families run between 53 to 60% of all marriages. This is so important. Okay, listen to what I'm saying, please. And it's not just for moms. It's about husbands, too. That stat, that dual incomes run between 53 and 60% of all marriages puts an extreme pressure on the man to earn by himself, if mom is at home, what over half of the households in America are doing as dual income families. You think that doesn't have an economic impact on a family? You think that doesn't cause pressure on the man? What if he can't earn what two incomes could bring in? Puts a lot of pressure on folks. Now, I want to step back just a little bit uh, to pick up another piece of the composite picture of domesticity in the 20th century because there is such a thing called conspicuous consumption. In the 20s, most children, 1920s, we're going back from World War II now. In the 1920s, most kids lived in families where the husband was a primary wage earner. The wife was not employed outside the home, but she was no longer engaged in family home-centered enterprise because the work was now out in the factories and offices away from the home, and so the home was no longer the center of enterprise and a family affair. And children were now, most of the time, away in school all day. And this was all possible because of the dramatic increase in men's salaries in the 20s. But you know, then we had the Depression, right? But by the time women were called to the workplace during World War II, the die had already been cast for the home, and it had transitioned into a showcase for consumption. Think about that for a little bit. Now the home had become a monument to personal style and taste. Fueled by the great wages in the 20s, the roaring 20s, right? So there was a lot of money to be spent because men were making a lot of money. Women were at home, kids were in school, and the home became the main focus. And so consumption, consumerism, it all came to the home. With two incomes after World War II, there was 
more discretionary funds that allowed for lifestyle to take front seat in homes. Whereas in the past, domesticity was more focused on serving the family and others who came into the sphere of the home. And that was a massive change, people. In our culture, in the way that we do home, the way we do family. I'm just trying to paint a composite picture for us. There's another influence that we can't take time to look into right now, but it affects the idea of home, family, and motherhood, and that is education. Today, women ages 25 and older now account for more than half of the college-educated workforce, which is 50.2%, an 11% increase since 2000. And it makes it even more difficult for a highly trained and skilled woman not to use her degree when she gets married and has children. Home or work? Which is it? Well, I'd like to submit to you that if that's the question, we're asking the wrong question. You see, I think it's a problem of identity rather than location. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 with me for a second. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2, beginning in verse 9 here. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If I'm not mistaken, on the back of our bulletin, we have, we, beacon of hope, exist to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus Christ in word and deed by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God the Father. I've had to challenge a lot of eager missionary candidates that come seeking advice from me because I'm an old missionary. But I find that they're only dreaming of the exotic cultures and new experiences. And I tell them very candidly, just changing your location to a foreign country does not a missionary make. And whether a woman married with children chooses to stay at home or work outside of the home, does not a Titus II woman make. That's my premise. I believe that we need to go deeper than mere location and titles to seek Paul's mandate in Titus II fulfilled. We can too easily confuse what we do, or where we're located, with who we are. Who we are, people. We... And what we do can also bring a lot of negative feelings. It really can. Like, I know that there are highly skilled women that are single. Now, I'm talking in church context, evangelicalism, Christianity, right? That these highly trained women feel awkward in some churches. Because their focus is not on getting married, having children, and and being in a home. I know that there's working moms that can feel really guilty that they're not at home. And working moms can sense isolation in the very body that's supposed to be 
upbuilding and edifying to them. Young women with young kids who are at home struggle with the whole problem with feeling out of touch with once what they used to be in touch with. Like they turn on the radio because they got a break and they're going out to get groceries without the kids and they're listening to songs and they're going, I don't even know who wrote that song. She's wearing the same clothes she's been wearing for two years. And she feels like, man, I'd like to go out and buy a new outfit, but the funds aren't there. This all causes all sorts of problems and dissatisfaction. How about the young mom with kids feeling completely overwhelmed and there is, with all that there is to do and fearful of what's still coming? And then, oh, I'm pregnant. Okay, these are real things, okay, that I'm talking about right here <laughs> in Beacon of Hope. This is us. And what I want to do is I, I want us to really think about these things so that we can be edifying, which means to build up, so that we can build one another up and not discourage one another or judge one another. Okay? That, that's where I'm going with this. I'm telling you ahead of time. You see, all the above examples that I gave you are identity issues. They're all identity issues. Because, you know, the, the single woman that's highly skilled that feels awkward in church has her identity in her job. And, and, and the woman that is working at home and feels out of touch with contemporary things because she's so engaged in her toddlers and newborn and everything, maybe at one time before she had the toddlers and newborn, her identity was being in touch. Okay? Being aware of all the new trends tracking everything that's going on. And that's, that's a difficulty. Moms have to face the world and its tug on them to conform to it rather than standing in their identity in Christ. There's a constant pull, not just for moms, it's for everybody, right? The world tries to squeeze us into its form. When identity is wrapped up in what we do rather than who we are, we have forgotten Verses like Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God. Or Colossians 3.23, in whatever you do, do it with all your heart as for the Lord, not for people, and definitely not for yourself. Or this is the clincher, 1 Corinthians 10.31, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So there's a deeper motivation, a deeper root to your life than what you do. The why and the how you do what you do is probably the bigger question. Questions for moms at home and those who work outside the home might be, do you find your identity in your job? Is that who you are? And you know it comes home to moms who stay at home and take care of the kids and so forth. Is that your identity? Both demographics and the thinking that that's your identity are wrong. That's not what the Bible teaches us about who we are. 
There are, you know, many women who pursued their careers and ended up burnt out and depressed, while others chose to opt out, yet experienced deep frustration and disappointment. Moms are struggling, but often for all the wrong reason. One savvy woman that I wrote, uh, read wrote this, quote, The issue lies in the fact that these things were never meant to fulfill you. Motherhood, while good and life-changing, is not your identity. Your home, while important and necessary, is not your identity. Your career, while fulfilling and challenging, does not define you. And your marital status, while enjoyable and rewarding, is not where you find your hope. Beloved, if you're married and with children, what if you had none? Think on these things. Who are we according to the Bible? Now, do we take the blessings that God gives us in our lives and make them an idol? It's easy to do. It's easy to do. It's so easy. If you find your identity in anything other than your identity as someone created in the image of God with your chief end or your purpose, your chief end in life being to glorify God, you're going to experience identity crises with all the consequences of a crisis. The Westminster Confession, very first question, says, what is the chief end? That chief end means purpose. What is the purpose of man? And that's being used generically, human beings. What's the What's the real purpose in life for us as human beings? And then it answers it simply, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now, there are two concepts here that need to be explained. Chief end means purpose. It's why God created us. And glorify, you understand that you can't add anything to God's glory. That's not what glorifying God means, that you're adding something to his glory by what you do. To glorify God means to reflect his glory. Now we're getting down to something for both working moms at home and working moms outside the home. Is what you're doing glorifying God? Is your home glorifying God? Because that's our purpose. Attempting to find fulfillment in anything outside our God-given and God-created identity and purpose is destined for disappointment. And maybe that's the the root cause of the struggles, the depression, the, the tension. I don't know. You see, the fall left an indelible stain on our identities. Sin caused people to become self-centered rather than God-centered. And the world works together with sin, the world as a system. You do understand the whole world lies in the hand of the evil one. There's a world system at work. And the world system works together with sin as it insistently puts a squeeze on people to be conformed to its form rather than God's. Now translate that into the struggle many moms face today with misplaced priorities. Okay, Moms who stay at home may, may make that their chief end. Wrong. Moms at work trying to have it all, balance the whole thing, family and career, may make 
their career their chief end. Wrong. In each situation, the home is involved. Domesticity is present, but in each instance, the chief end, wrongly identified and pursued, supplants the glory of God, and there is the problem. There is the problem. The self-imposed identity is wrong, and the purpose for such lives is wrong. The goals are all wrong. They're out of sync with God's purpose, and they're not glorifying to God. For too many, their identity is determined by what they do rather than who they are. Now, this, this goes for everyone, but it's appropriate for moms at work and moms at home, okay? Their identity is their job or career or their home and their family. Now, we know, we've all probably read books about child-centered families, which is wrong. God's not the center of that family. The children are, right? I've been in homes like that. It's, it's frightening. Oh, Johnny, 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 Johnny. I mean, why did you even go to visit? Basically, to just watch those kids. Sometimes they recite really cool things and everything. That's great. Now go play and be quiet. Adults, time to speak. No, not in a child center home. Child's in the center. Often, right in the center of where you're sitting. Right? Everything was a child. I remember my mom railing. We had, I've got five older brothers, or four older brothers and one younger. And they got married, and they had kids, and we'd get together every Sunday afternoon when my mom was alive. And we'd have these dinners together, right? Well, as the kids got older, the brothers began sending the kids through the line first. And my mom just, no way. You kids go sit over there until the adults have been served. She just didn't allow it at all. And I just, I never understood that. I knew where I needed to sit, but I never understood that children, you know, why would she do that? Well, I do now. It was respect and honor for the adults. We've come a long way, haven't we? I know of moms now that are nothing short of a short-order cook. For dinner, they're asked to prepare four different things for the kids because kids can't eat this and can't eat that and won't eat this and won't eat that. I'll tell you, we've got some work to do, all of us. You see, if you're putting all your eggs in that basket, your identity is determined by what you do rather than who you are, then you're not glorifying God. You're not putting him first in your life. He's not the center of your life, no matter what you do. When a woman's identity is wrapped up in the purpose for which she was created, her life is taken up with how she can glorify God or reflect God's glory in whatever she does. She ensures that her home and family glorify God. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12 with me. Because now the sermon is moving into application. How do, we, how do we glorify God then with our lives? Moms with kids that are at home or moms with kids that possibly are working in the workforce. Look at uh, beginning in verse 9, Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. 
Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. And it could be pursuing hospitality. Now the young marrieds class, joint heirs, is going through a little book on the hospitality commands of scripture. It's, it's a good read. It's a good read. It's a good study. One of the ways that you can be a woman that glorifies God in your own house is by following this, contributing to the needs of the saints and practicing hospitality. Now we're going to talk about that in a little bit. I want you to understand. Third point, created in the image of God. Now I trust that you've understood that domesticity, at least from my understanding, is much broader than being a stay-at-home mom. That's not what it's talking about, I don't believe. And the true meaning, meaning of domesticity is seen in the way that a mom's home and family reflect God. Whether you work or don't work outside the home, does your home reflect God? That's glorifying to God. And if a mom can maintain a home that glorifies God while she works outside of it, sometimes needing to work outside of it to help supply financial needs, she is not sinning. And sadly, in many churches, women that are working outside the home, either by necessity or by choice, with agreement by their husbands, are like second-class citizens. They're, they're, they're kind of solitary. They're kind of at arm's length. It, it should not be. The goal is not her physical presence in the home, but does her home glorify God? I used to tell Mary, you know, those 10 years we were without children, um, about four or five of them we were in missionary training, and <laughs> our mission had the model two for the price of one. You know, she didn't have kids to take care of, so she worked right with me. She studied right with me every single day, shoulder to shoulder. Well, she got tuckered out. She got tired, especially when we went to boot camp and there was work detail in the afternoon. Study in the morning, work detail in the afternoon. Mothers with children got to go home, take care of their kids, and make dinner for their husbands, clean the house, etc. Women without children and married did work detail. They gave them a half hour, 30 minutes to go home and make dinner for us. Well, there are many times where I just told Mary, you're staying home today. Catch up. Catch up day. And of course, she's so conscientious and rule abiding. She thought I was, you know, violating all sorts of rules. I just said, no, I'm the husband. Stay home. Time for you to catch up a little bit. And I've taught her all of our married life. If the skeleton is in order, if all the basic things are in order, honey, you can do whatever you want. I'm not going to throw a straw down your path. But if I don't have clean clothes and there's no food on the table and the house is in shambles and the kids are going crazy every which way, you better not leave home. Come and call me and I'll help. Right? If everything's out of order and in disarray, there's something that needs to be done to get that in order and so forth because an orderly home is one that brings glory to God. And you can be hospitable with really very little. Hasn't anything to do with whether your home can be 
on the cover of Southern Living. You ever seen those covers? Southern Living's fun to look at. <laughs> sadly, sadly, many women try to live up to that and bankrupt their husbands in the process. It's about giving people Jesus when they step through your front door, saved or unsaved. It's about meeting others' needs, either emotional or physical, and helping them to see Christ to a greater degree. It's not about a showcase home. It's not about gourmet dinners. It's about reality. And are we glorifying God with our homes? Now there's a false narrative, isn't there, out there? And and there's judgmentalism that comes with it. And I understand that there's been a very intense pressure for women and children to stay home. Very, very intense pressure in churches. And often it's seriously promoted in evangelical communities. While there's nothing inherently wrong with moms staying at home, there's nothing inherently holy about it either. Because the corollary, people just make that assumption. And in the same vein, there is nothing inherently evil in a mom who works outside the home. But there is a stigma that has come about within many churches toward moms who work outside the home. And this should not be. Why do I say that? I'm not promoting all you women, leave your homes now and go out and get jobs. That's not what I'm saying, please. Don't accuse me of that. Here's why I say that this stigma is there and it shouldn't be. Number one, because it's judgmental. An often unspoken taboo that does not bear the weight of Scripture behind it. And the issue is not at home versus out of home. Rather, it's God glorifying or self-satisfying. Too often, the woman is self-satisfying. She's satisfying herself and her desires and her goals. That's wrong. And that can take place at a home where a woman is there all the time or one's outside the home. I'm reminded of Romans 14.4 that says, Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and get this, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. A lot of the at-home moms need to be encouragement to those that work outside the home because they got a lot on their plate. Okay? Not judging them. And it's not only judgmental sometimes, it's, it, it's a heart matter. Does God have the whole heart so that whatever you do, you're, you're doing it all to the glory of God? Or have you given in to the subtle temptation to pride? You see, there's pride. There's, there's pride that can sneak in to a mom that's a stay-at-home mom over against one who works outside the home. Oh, I stay at home. I'm a domestic queen. Aren't we a case, really? I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm just saying it can happen where we think we're more holier than thou because of what we do or don't do. Don't be like that. Pride that you're not shackled by the home is a working woman's pride. I'm not shackled by the home. I'm out here doing it. Pride's insidious and it can affect moms on all sorts of levels. Here you go. Love will always triumph, people. 
The easiest and clearest way to glorify God is by loving one another. That means moms, home, loving moms who work outside the home. And working outside the home moms, loving those who remain home. Didn't Jesus say someplace that this is how all men will know that we're his disciples? That if you have love for one another... So may all the moms who are listening to this today take this wonderful proverb to heart and let God use it and reach down into the very essence of your being. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Watch over your heart and with all diligence above all else for out of it flow the springs of life. You want to have a life filled with joy, contentment and satisfaction? Watch your heart. Guard it above all else because out of it is what you live then. And if your heart's not right and in sync with God's ways and glorifying him through your life, that will flow out of your life. There will be dissatisfaction, a lack of joy, and frustration. So I want to say this. From the bottom of my heart, because I, I meant this to be encouraging. I hope it was. But happy Mother's Day. <laughs> happy Mother's Day. And may God enable you with his might to be the best mother that you can be for his glory. Okay? Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we know that there are many things that were touched upon today and probably some raw nerves were touched and God, all we want to do is be what you want us to be and be who you created us to be, Lord. And forgive us for having such struggles doing that, Father. The sin that dwells within us still bothers us and the world is constantly pressing on us. And Lord, we really need each other not to judge us, but we need each other to build us up and to love us, Lord. And Father, I pray that we will love one another and that we will evidence that with our words and with our encouragement towards one another. I pray for every mom here. Father, motherhood is a high calling. And Father, I pray that every mother at Beacon of Hope will be able to find her joy and satisfaction in glorifying you in the way that she lives out her role as a mother. Thank you for hearing our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.